Jake, I got a question for you to kick Ooh, things off. I'm ready for questions. My question is about Lori Anderson. Oh. Now, Lori Anderson did a lot of crazy stuff, including inventing some of her own instruments, oh, which is kind of a her. fun thing that uh, unique, insta- unique like a, musicians have done from time to time. It's like a hallmark. So I'm wondering, Jake, which of the following instruments did Lori Anderson invent? And these are all real invented instruments by real musicians you've heard of. Okay. Sounds good. So which one did she invent? This which is one did one, she invent? Okay. One list. answer. Got it. Was it the Chromalodeon? <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. The Gamalest. Okay. The Tape Bow Violin. Oh, no. The Picasso. Uh-huh. The Laser Drum Cage. Yo, whoa. <laughs> or the Manzarine. Uh, well, we know the answer to the Manzarine. We did that just last week on Louder Than Sound. Two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, thank you. Um, You know what? I... I wish that she invented the laser cage or whatever. That sounds amazing. I don't think that she did. Although the cover of Weird Science, the album we're talking about today, seems to suggest... Big Science. Big Science. Oh, I'm sorry. Big Science. Weird Science is that Weird Science is a, you know, was in the 80s, probably right around the same period. Probably. We're two two nerdy boys invent a beautiful woman. That's right. Yeah. Probably Probably unwatchable today. (laughs) Um, Because of the album Big Science, I'm going to say that she invented the tape bow violin. Jake, impressed. I'm impressed. Well done. You put on a good roll with my... Okay. Okay. Just so you know, really quick, the Chromalodeon was invented by Harry Parch. Yes. The Gamalest was invented by Bjork. Okay, didn't know that. The Picasso was invented, invented by Pat Metheny. Oh. The laser drum cage was invented by Kraftwerk. <laughs> where, they lived at, know, where they lived and slept at the time. <laughs> the laser and as we know, the, the Manzarine was invented by Washington Phillips. Yeah, right on. Oh, the cool list. The violin was actually, she, instead of using regular bow strings, she used uh, recorded magnetic tape. So it's magnetic tape that already has recordings yeah, on it. Right, right. And then install a magnetic tape head into the bridge of the violin. What? So somehow while playing it, she was like playing this recorded sound what? up there. I don't know how it worked. It's crazy. That sounds uh, awesome. I guess that's why it's invented, because I don't even know what that means. I don't even understand that's right. that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this week on Louder Than Sound, we're taking a look at Lori Anderson's 1982 weirdo album, Big Science. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, nothing, Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What is two brothers, who are mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's louder than sound. Hello and welcome to Louder Than Sound, a podcast for two brothers, Jake and brother Charlie. Hey, that's me. We, uh, we talk about music together. Um, it stems from when we used to call each other on the phone and not talk about our real lives, but rather talk about usually Bob Dylan and David Bowie, but also the Smashing Pumpkins and uh, also like a whole bunch of other bands. So we decided to do a podcast about our phone calls or just like pretend that we're on the phone with each other. Um, we're still not talking about our real lives with each other, so it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't this... remember the name of his third child. <laughs> it's, um, it's Manzarine. I thought you would know that. Mm-hmm. 
Manzarine Beck. It's a better name than uh, Tate Bow Violin, by the way, for child. <laughs> that's uh, that's my middle child's middle name, so <laughs> I don't like to say it out loud very often. Uh, we also we also uh, talk about albums based on themes, and that helps us to choose them. Um, this is themes that we uh, albums that we only need one of, and that bears a little bit of explanation because um, this has almost nothing to do with how we feel about the artists that we chose and the albums that we chose. Uh, we got nothing against either Laurie Anderson, who is an avant-garde superhero, or John Vanderslice, who we'll talk about next week, um, who is a DIY indie superhero. Both of these artists have other acclaimed albums and multiple phases in their careers, and they deserve whatever reverence and success that comes their way. But for us personally, these and other albums by other artists are just well and good enough for us to, to, to the point where we probably would never have to purchase another one. We just, we like the one we have. It doesn't mean it's that, just enough. It doesn't mean it's the enough. other ones aren't good, you know. I'm satiated. Yeah, we'll listen to the other ones on Apple Music, sure, maybe. But that exercise will maybe. most likely underscore what we already know, which is that we are just calm, cool, collected, and satisfied with the one that we already <laughs> have on our shelf. I feel satisfied <laughs> with this arrangement. I don't know about yeah, you. Hey. Uh, so Good. without slandering or denying you're the sound, rest... You're sounding very adult, very middle-aged. Thank you. Yeah, I just, just kicking back, <laughs> you know? Enough. Hey, yep. you know what? I feel like life Lowered is... Lowered expectations. I feel like life has been Good so life. easy lately that, um, you know, I... I <laughs> For everyone. Everyone I, across the world right, right. now, I hey, would think. Hey, everybody, let's just kick up our feet and listen to <laughs> no, one album. No sad walks in months. No. Let's just... Let's just listen to one album by an artist and be totally fine with it. Uh, so without slandering or denying the rest of the artist's career in any way, um, we're satisfied, we feel fine about it, and we don't feel bad about it. Uh, my other choices, besides John Vanderslice's White Wilderness, which again we'll get to next week, um, I have exactly one album from these artists. Uh, this is just off the top of my head. Uh, Dawes, I have an album by them called North Hills. Jessica Lee Mayfield's Tell Me. Explosions in the Skies, The Earth is Not a Cold, Dead Place, and J.D. McPherson's Signs and Signifiers. So uh, the last thing to note is that we really like these albums we chose and put them on regularly, which kind of sets them apart from like a different one, like uh, a different theme, like albums we bought one day by an artist but became disenfranchised with and sold it to Chico. So these are, <laughs> these are albums we like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which, is, uh, which, which sets it apart. So today, Chaz, you're talking about Laurie Anderson's Big Science. Let's talk about Lori Anderson. Let's start with just Lori Anderson herself. Okay. So you described her immediately as an avant-garde superhero, and yeah. my first note is avant-garde superstar, which I mean, I'm, I, you know, we can, oh, we can, gonna, we can agree on that. We're going to go superstar instead of superhero? Superstar instead of superhero? I don't know. Okay. Um, so she she was totally, and she was a ways in her career by the time she got to Big Science is her first album, which came out in 1982, which is already well-known in the art world. You know, she is... I think I want to say she graduated from college in 69. And so she was already, she was, you know, she was in, wasn't super young. She wasn't 22 or something when she released her first album. Okay. She's a ways in her career. And she did a lot of work. She was renowned. She'd worked with William Burroughs and Pauline Oliveros and Andy Kaufman. Um, she eventually worked with Lou Reed, who she married much later on. They got married in, I think, 2003. And countless others kind of superstars in the underground in the 70s. Uh, she worked at a variety of different... Genres. She worked in visual arts, poetry, performance art, video, photography, and of course music. Uh, mm. Some of her early works that were a little more acclaimed that I read a little bit about. Uh, she put together a symphony performed on car horns. Ah, I yes. couldn't get more details about mm-hmm. that. I was curious about that, but yeah, sounds interesting. <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> she did an underground comic. She one of her earliest ones is best known. It was a performance piece called Duets on Ice. 
Ah. In which she wore skates frozen into a block of ice <laughs> and played a violin along with a recording. Uh, and when the ice melted, the performance was done. I just got to say, like, all these, this avant-garde world is just, it's, it sounds more and more delightful to me as the years go by. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, it, I think there's different sides to this because some of this is so pretentious and so, oh, like, yeah. how this represents the, the uh, you know, starvation in Africa mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the negativity and the negative emotions coming from... And some of it, they just—it feels like they're taking the piss, you know. Like, yeah, they're just well, having a good time. Like, but it's some also, of them are clearly making fun of other people in the avant-garde right, world. Right, and, and I feel like Laurie Anderson might be one of those. She totally she's just is. Having a good time. She totally is. She sounds. Uh, she seems very playful to me. Like, there's a lot of humor yeah. in it. Where yeah. you're right, some of those other projects, you know, um, are just—they're not—they're not humorous, and so no, um, and so they come off as really pretentious. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sorry, I feel like telling a story of those really uh, over-the-top, uh, pretentious person I went to art school with, but I'm not mm, going to. Let's not sl- we're not, we're not slandering. We're not slandering on the, this podcast. The payoff won't be great enough. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Lori Anderson is known for her androgynous appearance, short hair. She wears lots of suits, especially during this period. She had released some music before Big Science. She released a couple singles and split EPs in the late 70s to early 80s. Uh, one of her performance art pieces was you know, in a museum. She had a jukebox that was only playing this strange music recorded by her. And I think there were others on there, too. So it wasn't you expect a jukebox to have like these 60s hits and, you know, maybe some country music and yeah. some rock. <laughs> and it's playing like this strange, you know, hypnotic, circular, yeah. electronic stuff. with well, these weird. See, that, that sounds funny. Lyrics. That's funny. That's funny. Right it there. Is, it that's is. hilarious. That kind of fun. Her big break music wise and how we kind of see her, and she always continued with all of this, but music became, I think, her bigger focus after Big Science. But her big breakthrough in music was uh, still probably her signature best known song, Oh Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this was released as a single in 1981. This ended up on Big Science also. And it's a song as a whole, if you're not familiar with it, it's a hypnotic repetition of a single split second sample of Anderson's own voice. And it goes the entire, it's just this, uh, 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 and it goes the entire song. Ha, 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 min- ha, ha, exactly. <laughs> Should just have you do that while I'm talking about it. It's a minimalistic performance of a woman leaving a message on an answering machine that is full of a sense and then penning to. Also, it's eight minutes long. Oh. <laughs> can, I, can I do that for eight minutes? Uh, hopefully not. Her voice is through a vocoder most of the time, so it sounds kind of like a robot voice. Yes. There's some minimal synths in the background. It is very minimalistic, this song. There's some, like, bird sounds kind of dancing around the back sure. sometimes. It's yeah. a very strange song. It but really it, like is. I said, it's, very, it's very hypnotic. It's weird. And I remember the first time I heard it, it was on the radio. Uh, the Current played it. Oh, nice. Current is a local. And even for them, that's a strange song to play. Yeah. Because it's eight minutes long. Right. And I don't think there's any edits of it. The and single was just, not an edit. And it she was just eight talk, minutes long. She's just talking about right. nonsense. It's like, what what's going on? Well, yeah, on? It's, like, it's like she's leaving this message. Yeah. Um... But he's really, again, it's hypnotic. It's kind of like strangely, I, you know, you don't always know why you want to keep listening to this. But um, amazingly, she released this in 1901, and amazingly, it charted in the UK. <laughs> nice. So, Jake, this is my next uh, my next multiple choice <laughs> okay. question for you. How high did it chart? Oh, boy. It charted to number 32. Uh-huh. And is this, this number... is out of 50 or 140? Is it out of 40? Top 40? I don't know. I don't oh, chat! Come on. Probably, well, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you the number. It doesn't matter out of how many. Well, the fact that it started at all. Okay, all right. It matters to me, but go on. Number 32. Uh-huh. Number 22. Yeah. 
number 12. Okay. Number two. Oh. Or just kidding, it didn't really chart. Are you kidding? What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. No, I know it did. It's, this is a weird This is a weird hit. Um, couldn't have been number two. I feel like that's a, that's a tough row to hoe there. I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> because I remember it was a big song, but it wasn't like that big. I'm going to go with number... Give me number. Give me number twenty-two. Give me twenty-two. You're wrong, Jake. Twelve. Incorrect. It went to number two. Shut the front door. It went to number two in no the UK. How the way. heck did this happen? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I love this. I love the fact of this. I didn't look up what the number one was. Oh man, I wonder what. what it kept probably it was like. <laughs> I don't know. It was like yeah. In nineteen eighty-one. Nineteen eighty-one. It would have. I don't know. Yeah. That's funny. In <laughs> Europe, though, not in the U.S. No, in the UK. The UK. I didn't turn yeah. in the U.S. at all. Okay. In the UK, as a seven-inch single. That's what, that's a seven-inch awesome. I wanna. I'm currently, for those at home, I'm currently restoring a 1960s oh, jukebox. And if I ever get this puppy really going, which it currently is not, oh, <laughs> uh, I gotta buy myself a copy of Old Superman to stick on that puppy. It's just oh, gonna baby. be. Well, I gotta imagine there's a lot of those lying around right now. If it went to number two, yeah, you know, I don't know. Forty don't years know. ago. Hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, it's a coveted item. So, out of, you know, scoring a number two hit with this, yeah, she scored herself a seven-album deal off of this single. What? Seven-album deal? Basically was, you know, the next half of her career. Wow. That's and, incredible. And uh, Big Science ended up being the first album of those seven. Okay. So, Big Science, as a little background on this, uh, Anderson was performing, at the time, a gigantic... Certainly her biggest work up to that point, a gigantic performance piece called United States. Mm. It was an eight-hour performance Oof. over two nights. So it's two nights of four hours. Like, that's a lot. I don't care how that's you're like doing Einstein, that's like, I don't think I can handle that. That's like Einstein on the beach-esque right there. That's oh, yeah, lot. absolutely. Absolutely. So yes. is that is that how long it took the ice on her skates to melt? Is that why it was eight hours long? I don't think long? that piece was in there, actually. <laughs> oh, too bad. It sense. <laughs> it was apparently a mixture of music. There's lots of songs in there, video, spoken word, and more. I don't know. All, I couldn't find a lot about this. Um, and I don't know for sure when it was first performed. I found a review of it from 1983 in an old art forum magazine, which okay. is kind of interesting. Uh, but mostly what's known about it when you do searches for, you know, Laurie Anderson in the United States and trying to find all the performance piece. She released a live album of it. It was her third her third LP on the seven or third album on the seven album deal. Wow. Was United States Live. And uh, it's five LPs. Is that all? It's a five LP set. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna put uh, that in the jukebox? <laughs> transferred down to four Well, if it took twelve inches on might, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Eventually transferred down to uh to four CDs when it was released there. But so this thing is, you know, at five LPs, it's I don't know how long is that. I don't know. It's long. Three yeah. hours, probably three and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, about four, forty to forty-five times. If it's four CDs. It's probably about four hours. Yeah, yeah. That's so not the whole performance, but it sounds like it's basically all of the stuff that would work in purely auditory. You know, right, right, the, right, right. Without the visual component. There's not like shuffling, dancing with no music or anything like. On, right, on right. Record. Right. Side seven really slaps, you know. Side I mean? seven, just <laughs> nothing. Just the sound it's of her not... like making grunting noises occasionally because she's doing gymnastics That's in the right. background. That's right. Um, so all of the tracks on Big Science were pulled from this performance. There were songs that were in there. So they actually are all on, on the uh, the live version of this in 
live versions. Oh, okay, um, okay. And a couple. It sounds like a couple of those ended up on her second album as well. Um, but that's the context that she pulled what she thought was presumably what she thought was the best, and did the recording of this with some friends of hers. Nobody of any super note that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, and with that, before we get into too much more of the description of the album, we talked about O Superman quite a bit, so we know that already. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what I think Jake thinks. Mm-hmm. So I subjected Jake to listening to this, and I'm yeah. so glad I did, especially after Roy Acuff last time. <laughs> I'm so glad that we got to do something really, some weird avant-garde thing. That it's the opposite of Roy Acuff in every imaginable way. I could get much more different way. than Roy Acuff, could it? Not much, not much. Oh man, I'm so, so glad, glad I made you listen to Roy Acuff now. I'm so glad to subject you I, to I, I hoped that you would hate it, and I wasn't wrong. It's great. <laughs> So I'm thinking that Jake will appreciate the minimalist tendencies of this, tendencies yeah. of this, because he does involve like minimalism a lot, a lot. A lot I think he's lot. not getting not wild about the electronic instruments throughout. Mm. Yeah, I think he'll not be so sure about the lyrics. I think he can see her as maybe a little aloof or laughing at the audience, or just too mm. ironic to be sincere or authentic. Mm. Um, it's definitely something that Jake appreciates. I do like. How I don't think he's going to totally hate it, but I think it's going to be a mixed bag, and I think you're going to give it a point five. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, it definitely, you know, just, just in the first place, it definitely took me back to my college days where I studied minimalism and other experimental music and avant-garde. And I was big into, you know, John Cage, et cetera, et cetera, like I've talked about Mm -hmm. before. And I think that this Laurie Anderson album was kind of in the mix at the time. I would um, think so. Yeah. It's kind of a minor classic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure that I, I don't know if I studied it, you know, specifically, but certainly it was, it was in the list. Um, I thought it sounded prescient in a very specific way and scratched an itch that I think tons of other serious artists ended up wanting to scratch themselves for some reason, especially like rock and roll. So the avant-garde experimental itch runs strong in the rock and roll community, Mm -hmm. especially through the 90s and 80s, Um, specifically that thing where the lead singer will talk instead of sing over a jumbled pile of experimental noises. So uh, I was thinking just... Which is to, often done really awfully. Yeah, really badly, really badly. <laughs> um, just off the top of my head, um, not really badly, but the Eurythmics, I love to listen to Beethoven, is like that. Oh, okay, yep. Um, with a woman, man, what does he say? With the, with a gal, like that. With a gal, anyway. Uh, the open... <laughs> The opening track to like every Bright Eyes record, he always starts those records with like a, like a yeah. talky yep. thing. Um, Tom Waits, what's he building in there? Which just cracks me up so much. Well, Tom Waits what has a lot of. The hell is he building in there? <laughs> Tom Waits has a ton of those. Though. Oh yeah, totally. There's he does. like he... the third disc on uh, Orphans is almost entirely those things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. he does. He does it really well. He does it really. He well. does, even though some of that stuff is unlistenable. It's like at least you can appreciate it. Um, well, you, you listen to it once and you get the story. You're like, yeah, that was pretty good, and then you don't really want to listen to it again. Yeah, and yeah. Well, what's he building in there? It makes me laugh every time. Just what the hell is he building in there? Uh, I think the one is it. It's like one of the last tracks oh. on uh, on Orphans, where yeah. it's about a bull penis. The yes, whole thing. right. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, no, you can't listen to that. To listen, I don't need to listen to this. You're not listening time. to that twice. One no. time was enough. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, Radiohead's Fitter Happier off of OK Computer. Oh, yeah, sure. Which is just terrifying. Uh, Pearl Jam's Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama That's Me, the last track on 
Vitology, which is just a, it's amateur, no, no, it's no, no, amateur no, no, hour, no, it's amateur hour, it's terrible, <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing. And then before that, um, even was the Velvet Underground's Murder Mystery. I think that was off of, sure, sure. I don't know their third album or something. Um, and then even something I think that's on, uh, is it on White Lightweight Heat, I think. Yes, that's right. Well, and the gift is on White Lightweight Heat, so right? And the gift is this, that's totally gift, in that same the gift zone, is similar. Yeah. Um, and then something even like Suzanne Vega's Tom's Diner. Um, has kind of oh, a vocal sure. DNA in there as well, where it's just kind of a story about stuff happening, you know, mm-hmm. except it's kind of sung, spoken, etc. Um, I found uh, Big Science really soporific when it's slow and warm and slow and kind of melty. I found it really mm-hmm. calming at times, um, almost in an ASMR way. Um, have you heard of those? Have okay. you heard of those videos? Yeah. Um, I looked it up. I didn't know this, but autonomous sensory meridian response is what that is. Yeah, I didn't know it stood for. That's those videos and and. Uh, and auditory tracks where people are just like whispering or shuffling paper together. It's supposed to be, it's like a, uh, kind of like a mindfulness thing. I think it's kind of a mindfulness thing, but there's also like, there might be a sexual thing with it, which, mm. um, yeah, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Uh, my middle school students introduced that to me a few years ago. Yeah, right? it's, it's pretty, I don't, know what, it's, it's, I don't know what this is all about. It's deeper than it sounds, but anyway, you can sort of see why, um, why people like it anyway. Um, like on uh, Anderson's song, Born Never Asked. That one I thought was mm-hmm. really the most like calming one. Um, I don't exactly get why Oh Superman was a big hit on this record. Um, mm-hmm. because it, Besides it just being kind of weird and nonsensical. Um, and the vocoder vocal treatment, which almost sounds like autotune at times. Um, yeah. I kind of chalk it up to that weird 80s habit of making hits out of weird things. Like uh, Gary Newman's Cars was kind of like that. Yeah. In cars. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Boom, boom. Like, what are we doing In cars. We're just talking about cars. Uh, <laughs> I thought the lyrics were really sardonic and wry and deadpan and cynical, but, like, about weirdly normal things, like when she reads warning signs in an airplane or when she walks the dog or when she says Yodelehihu, like, several times in several songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll say, I was listening to this again just yesterday, oh, nice and my six-year-old, laugh. you know, picks up on really funny things, and there's the song... Um, walking and falling okay and so she's talking about you know like when you're walking yeah you're actually just falling and catching yourself over and over again it's <laughs> like when you're walking you're not falling and i showed him like i walked for him like okay here i am walking without falling and stayed in one spot. I'm like now i fall forward slightly and i catch myself he's like his mind was blown he was like that one almost sounds like you know a late night kids at college type yeah, you ever noticed that, totally. like, totally. when you're walking, you're actually, like, you're just falling, and you're just, like, catching yeah. yourself, and just falling over and over again. <laughs> it somehow makes it not, like, that type of, you know, stoner conversation or something, yeah. it sounds. But she, but she says things so deadpan, you know, mm-hmm. she, she, there's no, like, real, like, wonder to it. It's just, like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I found it kind of, like, warm, um, and not, I didn't find it, uh, she said that she's saying cynical things. And clearly, I think she's trying to say something about America or about society at the time or whatever. But it uh, it doesn't come off as um, being like mean or nasty or anything like that. Um, it seems to concern as themes like privileged living and America, as I was saying. There's a lot about smoking cigarettes in here for whatever reason. Um, and, and America in general. Uh, musically, I hear a lot of minimal, minimalism, as you were saying. There's lots of Philip Glass vibes here with the endlessly repeated vocal loops. Um, John Adams is referenced with the organs on at least one of the songs. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't go full Reich. It doesn't go full Steve Reich. No. 
<clears throat> at all. It's much more minimal even than that. Um, I think the horns are really delightful on it, almost always. Um, there's some major tonalities. There's some kind of New Orleans street marching band stuff going on. Um, kind of scronky, um, which uh, David Byrne and St. Vincent would use on their collaborative album from mm. whatever year that was. Twenty. When, that, when was that? What was that called? Love the Giant. Love the Giant. Good album. Um, so, uh, my favorite songs uh, were From the Air, yep. Big Science, Born Never Asked, and then Big Science 2. And uh, I loved the cellos. In Big, the si- Big Science 2 is a bonus track. Oh, is it really? Oh, I wish yeah. they would say that on the stinking thing. Yeah, it ends with uh, I don't X equals X. Yeah. I think there are two bonus tracks on the... Oh, Wow. I didn't notice it at first because I I, didn't, I wasn't listening to the Apple Music version because I own it and says so you're right. To me. Yeah, the well, version that's... I own, but then I saw that at one point. I wish that they would make that clear. I that drives me crazy. Okay, uh, but I uh, you know as a bonus track, you hit up Big Science too because it's got cellos and an actual melody and it's like a real song almost. Um, <laughs> for some of the songs that I didn't didn't appreciate that much, I didn't need sweaters. There's too much uh, there's too much mouth stuff on there. I always get grossed out when the avant garde mouth things go on. Um, <laughs> Meredith although, Monk is just mad at you right now. So what is? <laughs> Meredith, Meredith Monk. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bjork did that on that one album we well, talked Bjork about. Well, Bjork totally was inspired. Oh, <laughs> gross. Um, anyway, I do kind of like the line, I no longer love the color of your sweaters, though. That seems like kind of a, <laughs> kind of a sick yeah. burn. Um, and then <laughs> Walk the Dog was a touch too weird and disjointed for me. Um, and I was ready to skip. Walk the Dog? Walk, Walk the, the Dog is also a bonus track. What? All right. Well, never mind. Um, and I was ready to skip example number 22, but then the oh, ending, the ending like just slaps. It's so good. Oh yeah. It just blows up. It just blows up. And I really liked it. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. It becomes this kind of punk thing. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I feel like I was fully listening to a minimalist experimental record. Um, but ju- with just enough rhythm, melodic intonation, major chords, traditional song structure, playfulness and humor to make it pretty listenable most of the time for me. Um, it never gets scary experimental, like on Fitter Happier, um, which sets it apart from some of its predecessors and imitators. And I'm wondering from you, if you know, um, if it was lampooned by the serious experimental community for sanding off the rough edges, or if it was taken seriously by critics. Um, Anderson is certainly saying something about the condition of life in America, um, but it's not sour or full of dissonance, and therefore not too dreadful. Um, I find it weird, but amusing, and so I kind of find it sweet overall. I give it a 1.5. Out of wow! Well, yeah. hey, pleasant surprise here. Yeah, there we go. I, like um, I don't know what the take on it was from the avant-garde community. I kind of think it was okay. She seemed to be one of those that straddles both worlds because it got good reviews from the mainstream press. Okay. You know, Rolling Stone and who else did I see? So many of the reviews I found were you know more contemporary ones or reissue reviews. I didn't see a lot, but I found a Rolling Stone one from the time that was you know like four to five stars, something like that. So I got a lot of that, but. I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know. I guess it okay. Oh, I was just wondering because like it seems like, you know, really serious guys that were like plucking discordant piano strings uh-huh. for twelve minutes would be like, oh, that's pop music or whatever. But uh-huh. no, nah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that you like this album. Yeah, you brought up I a like lot it. Of things I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I really like this album a lot. I was I brought this in here. I enjoy the circular, hypnotic nature of most of the music. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's definitely that little bit of Philip Glass in there. Yeah. I mean, here in the first one, but this is recorded, this are this uh, repeated lines, but yeah, there's enough pieces. being brought in and taken out that is interesting. Um, it sounds very unique even still. 
Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of those albums that, even though it's got, you know, electronics date albums so, electronic instruments so often date albums so horribly. And I felt like this ended up being such a unique mixture. I like the electronic and the mixture of the organic instruments. The brass in there is really fun. Um, and still, still felt very unique and very like nothing else I own. Yeah, it's a good mix. Is that that? Yeah, it is. It has that mixture of singing and spoken word. Very strange and avant-garde, but she definitely has a sense of humor. So she gives it a little bit lighter, more playful touch when it could be. The same stuff could have been taken, you know, in a different way. Um, the lyric, lyrically, it reminded me a little bit of David Byrne. Okay. And David Byrne, yes. in the way that yes, he yes, takes yes. some of these popular tropes, and he comes across as this, like, almost impartial observer of right. humanity. Um, and she has a little bit of that mixed. And I think there's some of that in the 80s. You know, you see that, like, uh, like Dire Straits or even, like, Duran Duran or something sometimes. This, okay. Just this slightly separated, you know, and, like, using some of these popular phrases or something, but in a way that... Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how to describe it exactly. Honestly, Tom York ends up doing that sometimes, too, where he uses these, like, yes. tropes, the, you yeah. know. There was some okay computer vibes on here, like, yeah, lyrically, yep. you know. Yeah, you could definitely see that. Um, I found a, an art forum review at the time. Um, this was a review of the United States performance from 1983, so the year after Big Science, but the core of this, which I thought was really interesting, so that Louis Minard was the guy from Art Forum. He says, People like me, coming out of the 60s, once dreamed of a fusion between something like pop music and something like conceptual art, of an expressive form that would integrate the urgency and excitement of a rock concert with the cool detachment of an art without illusions. Hmm. It was for energy and imagination without pretension, for entertainment that did not pander, and art that was not antagonistic to commercialism, merely indifferent to it. I thought that was a good description. I like that. I like that really uh, really summed up and summed up a lot that I like about it is that it manages just just to straddle these two worlds of rock and and, uh, strange art, which I also appreciate having been, you know, an art teacher and being really into art. Uh, My favorite songs on this are From the Air. That first opening track really kicks things off really nicely, I think. I do very much appreciate Oh Superman, which on the vinyl is the first track of the second side. Okay, yep. And then I put down example number 22, because yes, it just blows it up at the end in a yeah. way that most songs like do not. Um, the, for me, the first side, there's definitely a loss of energy on it. I feel like this would be, could be a theme we could do sometime is uh, albums, <laughs> where, albums where the second track ruins the, the inertia of yes, the first track. it happens this is totally a that. lot. This first one where it really gets you into it and gets us going. Yeah. It's a bigger, one of the bigger more energetic tracks on the album. And then the second track, which I think is just big science. Yeah. Just brings it all down and it's five minutes long and or six minutes long. And, uh, it just kind of like, I feel like it ruins some of the, uh, the inertia that you get from the first one. If okay. it had been like later on the album, I feel like it would have helped it a little bit. Um, and so I really like this album overall. It's in this regularly. I actually was out record shopping yesterday and uh, I found this on vinyl for $8, so I bought it. Oof, felt, yeah. Felt real good about it. Felt real nice about it. Yeah, it wasn't hard to part with that 8 Don't, re- don't regret that. Nope, not Yes. Not. We talked recently about how there's some albums that just feel like belong on vinyl. Absolutely. And, uh, this was one where, like, I knew that if I found this one for a good price, I would, I would just snap it up. So I did. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to think about why I haven't bought any more by Laurie Anderson. Okay. I like this album a lot. I really do. I'm not entirely sure. Um I think part of it is she doesn't really have any other recognized classics through her, in her albums. So no. Most of them are well-received. Like she doesn't have a lot. It's not like a bunch of turds after this or something. Like They're all solid, but she doesn't have others, like albums. You think of the classics of Laurie Anderson. No. It, it begins you, and ends with big science. You do think of this one, yeah. Um, 
I will admit, this is some of the irony on this, is that researching all of this and doing this album for this show has got me a little more interested in giving some of our albums a try. <laughs> so I might have, like, by doing this, kind of wrecked it. Otherwise, I've been sitting on this album for, you know, a few years, and I love it. And I've never felt a need to get more by her, but... But now you do. Uh-oh. At the very least, I think I might gonna, I'm going to listen to some more in Apple Music. Well, you might as well. You might as well. No harm in that. And if I found, you know, five LP... United States for eight bucks. You better believe that'd be going. Oh away. man, go <laughs> make it make a new shelf for that baby. <laughs> oh baby, oh baby. <laughs> oh man, a brand new doorstop for the old. Oh abode. yeah, and what a doorstop! <laughs> so much fun. Be great. All right, Jake. With that, that brings us to an end of Big Science. Why don't you uh, give us a little sneak preview of next time? Well, you didn't give it a score, so I can't. I need. I, didn't I? I need you to I give. I, did. I need mind. you to give Big Science a score first, or I, I can't. Give it a, I give it a. I give it a 3.5. Woo! 3.5. Daddy! Okay. I really like it. I really like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yowza, yowza. All right. 3.5 for Chaz on Laurie Anderson's Big Science. Next time, we're going to continue this theme, which is albums that we only need one of by a particular artist. And I'm going to be talking about the album White Wilderness by John Vanderslice from 2011. And the Magic Magic Orchestra. And the ma- yes, featuring uh, the Magic Magic Orchestra. We're going to be actually talking a lot about them. So you can look forward to that on the next Louder Than Sound. <laughs>